Hi, welcome to BoobTube, the podcast where smart women talk about what they're watching and not watching. I'm Amanda Toysher. And I'm Sarah Whitus. Um, how's your two weeks been, Sarah? <laughs> My two weeks have been fine. Your fortnight. Um, yeah. Oh, is that what that is? Isn't that what a fortnight is? Sure. I yeah. thought it was because like 14, 14 days. Oh, Even though it's not okay. spelled with a four. A fort, and we're going by the nights. Yeah. So it's like fort, we're combining, it's like a portmanteau of. Yeah, or maybe like one night in a fort is 14 days. I, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, one night in a fort would seem like 10 years to me. <laughs> so <laughs> that definitely makes sense. Um, I realized that the last time that we talked, I was like very excited about going to the um, Jagged Little Pill musical. Um, oh, yeah, how was it? It was. Did you go? I know, no, I actually went, I went, and Amanda, I stayed awake. <laughs> like That's amazing. I know. I, I mean, as much as I have a problem with staying awake during, like, anything that I'm watching in my home. Anything after 5 p.m. Yeah, basically. But, like, generally if I go to a movie, I'm, like, fine. But... Except when you fell asleep in Arrival. I'm never going to forget that. Yeah, I did that. You you for you denied it for a good week and then finally you're like yeah I did fall asleep. We saw like a nine p.m. show. Actually, I went to see Hereditary this week with our friend Heather and she um, we originally were like she wanted to go to like a ten forty five screening and I was like mm, nope that, like that won't be fun <laughs> for you Heather because uh, you'll be by yourself. Can't do that. Yeah. Um. But I have like especially a problem with staying awake during any type of like literally it could be a matinee in the middle of the day and for some reason like. The experience of being in the theater, like, like, uh, just lures me to sleep. But I had a giant coffee beforehand, and then good to know yourself. I know, and then it was like I know myself. I was like, do you? And then I made the mistake of having a cocktail, maybe. But um, it was so good. I highly recommend that everyone travel to Boston to see the Jagged Little Pill musical if you are. At all in Alanis Morissette. Can you do that without traveling to Boston? So I imagine that, like, eventually you will be able to travel to New York. I can't imagine this isn't going to go to Broadway. Why is it starting in Boston? Because actually that happens So actually that happens a lot. There's, like, a big theater scene here. So, and there's, like, a lot of, like, big theaters. So I think that this happens a lot that it's, like, you know, you kind of, like, test it for a few months. And then maybe they make some changes. And then if it was you know, popular enough, then it, like, they send it off to Broadway. So, um, it, I ex- fully expect, it's been, like, sold out, like, every single night, I think. So, um, I can't imagine that it won't wind up on Broadway. Um, and it was so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, just, I forgot how much I love One Hand in My Pocket. Like, I just really... Well... That sounds great. It's not TV related, though, so... It's not TV related. Maybe someday there'll be a a live version on NBC, which (laughs) would be great. What did you watch this week? Well, I watched a couple of things over the last couple weeks. So um, I'll talk about both of them quickly. The first one was Patrick Melrose. Did you like it? I thought it was fantastic. Um, Is it just another show about a dude? I mean... Yes, your show, your your tolerance for the problems of rich white people has to be somewhat high. To... It is so low. It is so. Low, I know, Sarah. and I was like, Especially I was thinking British. that. Is he British? I was thinking that. Like Amanda's is particularly low. Um, 
but you know at least they're real problems on on patrick melrose um this show's been getting a lot of buzz um and if you don't know anything about it i did a little bit because there was a big I read a few years ago a long New Yorker profile of the author of the Patrick Melrose book series, which this is based on. Um, the author is Edward St. Aubin, a British writer. Um, and it's a semi-biographical series of, I think, five novels. And they're all pretty short, though. Um, and it's about his life as a... Uh, someone who has survived as a rich person, as like a very rich person, although becomes, um, there's a lot of issues. Like he, he basically is like becomes disinherited and, but he, it's not really a spoiler to say that, um, you know, kind of the point here is that he's a survival. He's a survivor of, um, a survivor of rape. His, his father. Okay. That's bad. It's like, that's bad. So that's like a real problem. I'll allow it. Yeah, that he I mean, grows right, up but... to be, I mean, he grows up to be a truly, truly dysfunctional human being, I think, as as a lot of people in that situation who don't, you know, properly, you know, deal with it. And, you know, just he, you know, which he just basically never does and, and becomes an addict. And um, so I don't think I've mentioned that Benedict Cumberbatch plays Patrick Melrose in Patrick Melrose and I have never like felt a way really I don't know if you have like <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch feels but like I never no. did I never got into Do you remember Sherlock? that list that Bobby Finger did for the hairpin it was 500 things that are hotter than Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> I do not. I never what? read that. What? You don't know about that? No. Um, I'll, let me see if I can pull up just some examples. Yeah, because I want to know, because it's funny, another writer who I, um, TV writer who I like a lot, she doesn't primarily write about TV, but Ruth Curry, um, who has a newsletter about TV that I like, and she did a an issue about Patrick uh, Melrose, and she just was like, <laughs> no one on earth puts on an overcoat like Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, I mean, he's tall and his nice God, shoulders. He makes it look Anyone good. can do that. Okay, I found the list. It's also by Emma Carmichael. It's 917 things. <laughs> I'll just like go to randomly to go to like 100. Okay? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, well, 100. Alien Gonzalez. 101. Cheryl Crow. John Wayne. Milton Berle. The guy next to me in line for pizza earlier today who ordered his slice, quote, well done. He. <laughs> Peel. Henry Ford, Joey Suzu, Doc, Grumpy, Happy, Sleepy, Bashful, Sneezy, Dopey, Kid Rock, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> this is so rude, Bobby. Oh, my God. It's so <laughs> funny. The list is great. I, like, thought as I was reading, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to read all 917. And I'm, like, I did. You, like, read through them all, and it just gets funnier and funnier. Like, I'm scrolling down now to, like... Um, 267, The Wicked Witch of the West, The Lollipop Guild, A Lollipop, The Umbrella Man, The Lawnmower Man, The Orkin Man, The Trojan Man, The Wicker Man, 1973, The Wicker Man, 2006, etc., etc. It is so good. Anyway, but, um, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. He was Khan, wasn't he? He was, yeah, I feel like that's the hottest he's ever been. Yeah, for sure. TBH, but that's also because I enjoy Star Trek. I also feel like Zachary Quinto as Spock is, like, an ideal, too. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I mean, I gotta say though, this has got me turned turned all around on on Benedict Cumberbatch. He interesting. I mean, he's fantastic. I mean, it is like 
he, he's really fantastic in this. I mean, he goes through the the show um, takes place over the course of about twenty years, starting from the mid eighties to the early two thousands, and um, then there's a lot of flashbacks to his childhood also but that's a different actor because he's so young during the um really traumatic parts of his childhood and um you know you really feel like you've gone on a journey with him at the end of this show like it's very intimate I mean at the beginning of the show like I said he's he's consumed by addiction and um just it's like hunter s thompson-esque and it's like Mm -hmm. in the sheer amount of drugs he is taking and just Benedict Cumberbatch, I mean, nails all sorts of different. I mean, he's like has to be like completely zonked out on heroin, on quaaludes, um, having just done like several lines of coke. Uh, also, like downed an entire like bottle of Scott. I mean, like so he just like you see him. So you're in a saying lot he has a diff- good life. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it's really good. The writing is so witty. Cumberbatch sells it. Anyway, I'm saying if you have access to Showtime or the kind of like add-on version of Showtime that Hulu does, which I think is how I was watching this, um, uh, I highly recommend it. I, I can't imagine it's not going to like sweep the miniseries section of, of the Emmys. Um, and it's just the right length. It's like five episodes and they're each an hour and it feels exactly right. And you don't feel like you're missing important points but you also feel like um you just really get to know this character over the course of these episodes and i loved it so i really recommend that um the other interesting thing that i'm hoping maybe you get into this week so we could talk about it next time we talk because i Uh, oh oh, sarah i have already watched an episode oh okay excellent (laughs) okay so we're going to talk about so just suitcase the the suitcase which i almost just said Um, Amanda's name on Instagram is Suitcase Phone. Follow me. Follow me for follow um, at once Suitcase a, Phone. Once a month photos. Yeah, one, for also occasional Great Ohio content. Occasionally, yeah. And so the staircase, which is new to Netflix and also is very buzzy right now. Um, and so it's new to Netflix, but it's not new which i i had no i really had no no idea what i was getting into when i started watching this except that three people had recommended it to me in the space of a week so i was like i gotta give this one a shot um so it is about a it is a true crime case uh guy mike peterson um finds his wife near death in 2001 um at the bottom of the staircase in their palatial mansion and spoiler alert he did it (laughs) actually so that's not actually spoiler because i've only watched one episode and i'm now firmly of the opinion that he didn't do it based on just the first episode which i think is what they want you to think but then i like looked ahead at some of the names of the next episodes and i'm like oh i'm gonna learn some stuff like and also we know the style of documentary right it's supposed to like just you know like introduce you to all these details very slowly just through like footage and it's so i think in that sense it's a little bit i think it's closest kin recently is probably making a murder um how to make a murder or making a murder no how to, it's how to get away with murder it's making a murder you're making right. a murder yeah <laughs> i was trying to making a murder i kept trying to say and i was like i don't think that's it 
think people know how to make a murder. It's just how to... <laughs> you just murder by making just, a murderer. Just do it. <laughs> don't don't do it. So it's interesting that you are firmly on the. So the wild. It's a wild case. I mean, what's well, so I mean, bizarre? I think they want you in the first episode to be doubting that he would do it because they present this idea of a. Like and a I got really a happy family. And I got to tell you, I am on this. I just watched the sixth episode. And what are you? Where are you right now? I I you, still. So do you know? Do you did you do you know how it ends? Like do you know how he? Um, well, I know he gets. I know he gets indicted, right? You know, yeah. You know he's convicted. Okay. So and again, like it's so. Oh, he's convicted. Well, yeah. They find him. I don't think that though that this is the like central mystery of the of the show like whether or not he's guilty or innocent i mean i'm on the sixth episode and like i still am like i really don't know what to think um but that's kind of to me you know this isn't really about proving whether he's guilty or innocent i mean the thing you have to know about this case i think is that the the way that this guy finds or leaves her or you know like however this happened um she's at the bottom of the stairs and he gets on the he calls 911 and says like she fell on the stairs and and that because that's the only thing he can think of but she's lying in this like huge pool of blood it's really graphic actually they show you yeah and there's so much blood that even if she had fallen down this entire staircase you're like there's no way like there's no way and but that's what they have to go on so i mean he's i think like immediately pretty much almost immediately arrested yeah yeah no like they're like the night of the 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 police don't let him out of their sight yeah and um then i think over even the course of the first episode they really start to get into what her injuries were which is these deep gashes on her head um and also just not couldn't be as a result of falling down the stairs but that's really all the defense his defense team has to go on right and the other wild thing is that she didn't have any um traumatic brain injury her brain it mm. is intact and fine. There's no we bruising on that her yet. skull. So yeah, that's what you kind of get into. And I think that like, even though this isn't really, I don't like to me, what makes this show really interesting is that it's kind of a, you know, this show was filmed, it was filmed in 2000 over the course of his, you know, his, his trial in, in 2002 and 2003, I think. And then it was um, aired in 2004. And, um, you know, it's really the story of the trial, kind of in the way that the most recent, I think, OJ um, shows were, like, especially the one on, on FX. It's kind of less about, to me, is he guilty or innocent, and more about, like, kind of the director who's a, I can't ever say his name, I think it's Jean, Jean Xavier de Lestrade, which is quite quite a name um oh jean xavier de la strade oh there we go god you're good (laughs) um and it's really the story of the trial and like we've seen a lot of stuff like making a murderer you know recently where 
there's someone who is just like on the bottom rung of you know society someone maybe living in poverty someone who has a lot of strikes against them already and then goes into something like the american judicial system just completely stacked everything stacked against them and this is a guy right who, and this like, is just like a rich guy yeah rich guy a guy who's a lot of money he can hire a good legal team he can they can hire all of the experts they can do all of this stuff and it's like how does this trial it's like an, an interesting look i think at the time really which we didn't have like much programming at all i think that did this but like what does this trial look like and how does the defense team you know c- you know come up with their arguments and how do they come up with their well, the style of documentary is really interesting, too. This is only, like, you know, this, I was going to say, like, 10 years ago, but 2000, that, this was, like, nearly 20 years ago, so we're just going to feel old. It's like a time second, capsule, but, but, because I'm like, oh, my God, there was so much VHS. We were still doing everything on tape back then. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. So, anyway, uh, it's just, like, this very specific style. I remember taking a documentary film class in college, so this was in the 2000s, and, like, we had to start from, like, you know, Nanook of the North in, like, the early 1900s to, the like, the present day, which at that time were documentaries like this. And that was seen as sort of, like, how, like, the sophistication of current documentary styles is in, like, around 2000. Like, this is what they look like. And it's all just, like, just pieces of footage edited together. And it's basically a director deciding in what order to show you things and how much of it to show you, how long to have this conversation. So there are all these scenes that are like very extended. Like there's one in the first episode where this, who's the guy with like the white hair and the mustache? I think he's working for the defense. Oh, I think he's the investigator. He's the investigator. So he's like, he's with this woman and they're talking about the family tree. And it's like a full like six minute scene of just like, and her name is Martha. What's her name? And then the woman's like, Martha. And like, and it's just that. And it's so long and like slow paced. And it's definitely the style of documentary that was like big in the 90s and early 2000s that now we have these things like that are super like produced, right? Yeah, a lot of fancy, you know, graphic timelines and, like, recreations Well, and also, of... like, yeah, and the presence of the actual filmmaker is, like, a he's... They're a character in it because they're being, like... It's much more meta. Like, they'll be like, we decided to show you this. Or, like, could they have done this? Blah, blah, blah. And in this, in this, uh... There's no editorializing. Yeah, there isn't really any, but the now the editorializing is is also interesting to me because, you know, I was saying I was reading a couple of interviews with the director, and you know his he was he was adamant that his point was not to go into this, um, trying to prove either way, you know, whether mm-hmm. or not this guy is guilty. Like, of course, now there's like some limitations to that because he had full and utter access to Peterson, his entire family. Uh, the entire legal team, everything that the legal team did, but um, he didn't have that kind of access with the prosecution. So, like, already it's going to be kind of, you know, we're going to just know more. Right. But then the other thing that is wild that is not disclosed in this show, and I think nor in any of the follow-ups, there was a, the initial run is, is like eight episodes that aired in 2004, and then there... Where did it air? So, uh, yeah, no, I was curious about this, too, because I'm like, there's, like, swearing, and there's, you know, I was like, this couldn't have, like, been on, you know, NBC no, or No, it's also so, soup. They show the photos. Right, which are very graphic. So, apparently, it was graphic. on the Sundance channel, um, and Wait, it also aired in France, because the director is French, and the, I think uh, the whole production team is French. Um, and, like, you can just air this there. stuff. Yeah, you can just, like, air this stuff in France. But on the Sundance channel, so I'm like, who even really want? I don't know if they released it as, like, 
I don't know, because like who had the Sundance channel? I'm just like, how did they, you know, so I don't know if they released it as like a, you know, feature length thing or, but then they updated it in 2013 and then they created some new content um, that's just for Netflix. So, um, but so the, the director was saying, you know, I didn't go into this to write to, to kind of like prove guilt or innocence or anything like that. Um, but the other thing is that the editor of the original run of episodes fell in love with Mike Peterson. The oh, wait, what? Yes. He, she up. fell in love with him and they like started dating after the documentary was done. And so that is something that I think is in. Um, I'm sorry. No. What? How long after the murder did that happen? I don't know. I think this has probably got to be because they didn't even air until three years after. That's not that long. It's not that long. And so but he's a very charming guy, you know, like he's very smart. He's very, you know. And so I think that that is something to consider. You know, the director was like adamant that like that didn't have any, you know, impact on Mm -hmm. the um the outcome or the bias towards him or anything like that you know but it's also like okay how can it not (laughs) so anyway i don't think that it's good to go into this is like this is you know this is not like news reporting well that's the other thing about those kind of documentaries in that era was that like that you wanted to like you know what i was saying before is now the filmmakers are so heavily in it this is like it's got to be like such like cinema verite you know like this is you're watching it as it happens and you're not supposed to be thinking about the camera placement or what they're deciding to film it's supposed to be just like seem natural as if you were there you know and so like maybe he's just like no have nothing of the filmmakers present in it but that's wild it is wild yeah it is wild um you know i think also something that you need to as you get into it so again i still have i'm on six of i think the original eight episodes and I, like, stopped caring about spoilers or anything like that because I think the show is just, like, really interesting in and of itself regardless of, like, knowing how... Oh, yeah, I already know about the owl. Yeah, the outcome and, like... So, you know, I don't think, like, any of that is particularly important. No, 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 I said I already know about the owl. Okay, you know about the owl because you have... If you start watching the show, once you get into it, you need to look up the owl theory and I think that this is fascinating. Like... I think it could have been an owl. The whole time I'm watching this now, I'm like, it was an owl. I actually think it helps to watch it with this, with this knowledge. So basically like a few days before closing arguments in this case, a friend of this guy, Mike Peterson, the, the accused, um, who is also, this guy's a lawyer. Um, he comes to Peterson's defense team and he's like, look, I know you're going to think this is crazy, but what if a barred owl killed her? (laughs) And I mean, what if? What if? And then, so you like, you what look if like up, an owl killed her? And then, like, she's in heaven, just being like, "Oh my God, they're putting my husband on trial!" But it was an owl. Why don't you people know it was just an owl? Leave him alone. The owl theory makes a lot of sense. I will be forever haunted by like the not knowing. I kind of think it was an owl. Um, <laughs> it just makes more sense than I mean, you know, it's like it's wild to see both sides just going in full bore on like this guy did it, this guy didn't do it. You know, it was a, I mean, the defense team has no choice but to say they have no other theory of the crime, you know, 
throughout the whole trial. It's like they just have to go in proving that this one fell down, trying to prove this one fell down, or at least beyond a reasonable doubt, I guess, uh, you know, that um, this one fell down a a flight of stairs, and it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, Okay, so I have one question for you. Would you fall in love with a man who was uh, convicted of killing his wife? I can't possibly see how I could. <laughs> I just, he's not even I hot. <laughs> I, I'm going to give that a, uh, a a very qualified no. <laughs> no. He's not even like a silver fox or anything. I, no, he's kind of got a funny sort of look to him. Yeah, he looks like some, somebody's grandpa. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. His sons are kind of hot though. Yeah, but they kind of look like dummies. Yeah, they definitely do. And one of them went to Duke, so we know that much. Um, and so anyway, I really I really think this show is so interesting. Um, what, if, you, if you start watching it, you have to Google the the staircase owl theory, and there's like a three-minute video. And just so you know, like, we're going to call it the suitcase, but, but it is called the staircase. Right, you- sorry, yes. But on this podcast, it is the suitcase. Um, yeah. A suitcase full of demonic owls. There was, I feel like, I forgot what you had like texted to me about it. We I'd been talking about just like a crappy day I'd have or whatever and you said, um, uh, well, I recommend the suitcase because at least as stressful as things are, you aren't on trial for murder that may have been committed by an owl. And <laughs> it was so out of context that I was like, What is she, what suitcase and an owl? I had no idea she was talking about a show called The Staircase. <laughs> I if that isn't a pitch to watch this show, I don't know what is. I feel like we've made our case. Um, but anyway, least, I'm hoping to finish it. When you get a little further into it, maybe we can we can re. Yeah, we should come back to it because it's kind of fun. I got scared though. I, you know how I get paranoid when I'm home alone, and like sometimes get out my sword. I thought my roommate was home, but then my roommate wasn't home, and and then I was in this house all by myself. And I was watching the show about a guy that might have killed his wife. And I had to stop it. I had to finish it later. Oh, I probably would too. I could not watch this kind of in creepy. a large house full of suitcases and staircases <laughs> alone. There's so many suitcases in this house. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I'm not doing it. No, I, anyway. I totally understand you on that. Um, okay, so moving on. Well, so I don't know if we have much time. To, we can always talk about this. Another, we were going to talk about like whether Netflix should kind of let things go about like, like specifically the rest of development, which came out last month and um, the new season of Kimmy Schmidt. Um, yeah, no, I think, no, we can do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so you, I, I did not watch any, I did watch a little bit of Arrested Development. Um, well, I know, and you were kind of had mixed feelings about it, but had mixed feelings in that I like definitely just gave up after three episodes. Was well, Arrested Development always this complicated? Yeah, it is. But I don't know. It's not as, I don't know. I'm going to, I think you should keep watching it though. Cause it, there are some really good jokes. I was, I think the last season I was maybe 40% paying attention to it. Like the whole time I was watching it. I don't know if I just don't have... You have to pay attention, though. I know, and I don't know if I just maybe don't have the, like, stamina for Arrested Development, like, what it requires of me anymore. 
The, you know, the issue with the season five, the new one, so they've released eight episodes, they're going to release the next eight, and I don't know when, sometime soon, I suppose. The biggest problem is that season four was so crazy and hard to understand, um, that you, like, but this, the new season, they can't pretend that it doesn't exist, right? Which is his biggest problem. So, like, the very first episode, there are, like, you know, three uh, full minutes of them just describing, like, Ron Howard narrating what happened in the previous season, but it's also still hard to follow and keep track of. Um, it's just too much exposition. And that's actually a feature of this whole season, too, is there's too much Ron Howard in it. Um, but... But it's just, you know, they, they can't pretend that it didn't happen. It's still going to be the same timeline. But then you, it's just confusing. So then I feel like this season was much truer to form. The cast was back together for the most part, except Lindsay, um, except Portia de Rossi. And it's zany and fun, and there's some good jokes. But, like, it just doesn't... The, the plot was hard to follow, which made it hard to, like... I watched the first episode. It took fully, like... <laughs> Five minutes that was to set wild. up Michael's and George Michael's storylines from the last time. I was like, if it is taking you this long to set it up, it was too complicated. Like, no way. But I mean, I I could give it another shot. I But I think that you're right. I'm just like, how much more of this show do we need? It's just like you can't, you know, I've talked about this before with like, you know, when I, I talk about Weezer, right, it's just like it exists in a time and a place and you had to be, a, you know, who you were at the time it was on and Arrested Development did so much to change television and it's not changing it anymore. It's just doing what it did or trying to even do what it did before and it just isn't occupying the same place. So Weezer could do something completely different on an album and you're going to hate it because that's not what it sounded like before. Or they could just do the exact same thing they did in, you know, the, the 90s. And you would be like, this isn't what I need right now, though. So I feel like Arrested Development is kind of like that. Well, I would um, I would be curious to know also your thoughts on Kimmy Schmidt then. In that... In that. Well, I liked what they... Well, you didn't watch it, right? No, I didn't. So they, it's only like six episodes, and they talk, a, like a big overriding theme is the Me Too movement. Um, oh, interesting. Which is a funny thing to say after we're talking about Arrested Development, because Jeffrey Tambor kind of just hangs like a dark cloud over this entire new season. Especially um, because, right, isn't his plot line, like, right, it's about, like, like going to Mexico and, like, he, I mean, what was the deal? He's like impotent or something. Yeah, he can't. I don't know. I guess he can't get a boner or something. It's stupid. I didn't like that. It was like actually him and Job go to Mexico, and Job actually turns out he's he's starting to think he's gay, um, and he's in love with Tony Wonder, Ben Stiller's character from the fourth season. Um, it's kind of funny, but like Job's not as fun to pity anymore. Like he was always like kind of a pitiful character. But he was, like, fun to make fun of, you know, with his suits and, like, you know. Right, his... he was an asshole and that was the, what was fun about it. Right, and now you just kind of feel bad for him. And, like, Will Arnett's sort of manic sort of portrayal of Job just doesn't, isn't as funny to me. Though I guess I, I've seen, like, a lot of critics that really liked it. And I was kind of just like, eh, I don't know. I feel like the best the best actors in this season were definitely Jessica Walter and Alia Shawkat. Is that how she says her name? 
I've never said it out loud, I realize. I've but. also never heard it said out loud. So yeah. Well, she is so funny in this. If you watch it for any reason, you watch it for her. She go- She's basically, maybe Funke has become like a con artist and is like pretending to be like a 65-year-old woman in this like retirement community and it's perfect. She's so good at it. It is so I funny. loved, I did love her hairstyle changes and outfit changes. Um, and I just think that she is wonderful and I'm like so glad. I was worried for a while that she was going to like not really have much of a career beyond Arrest Development, but I think she like... Did you ever watch Search Party? I didn't and I've meant to. Me too. I've heard it's so good. We should watch it because yeah. I've also heard that it's great and really weird and um, would maybe right, be right up our alley. <laughs> But so, okay, so Kimmy Schmidt is like some, there's a lot of Me Too. Who is the Me Too? Well, it's just like an overriding thing. I don't want to, I don't want to like, it's, you know, they have Bobby Moynihan from SNL comes on as this MRA guy that is supporting, one of the major plot points is that there's this documentary on Netflix, speaking of Netflix documentaries, where this DJ, DJ Fingo Blast, um, does a documentary about how he tries to get DJ uh, Slizzler or something to play at his wedding and DJ Slizzle or whatever it is, is actually John Hamm. It's uh, um, Reverend Wayne Gary Wayne. Um, I and forever so love be- anything with John Hamm on this show. Yeah. And he's so funny. Um, and like, basically it becomes like this, like there's this decu- documentary that they find where it's him trying to prove that uh, the Reverend Wayne is, is actually innocent and so and like one of the guys trying to help prove it is Bobby Moynihan's character named Fran who is a men's rights activist um and the weird thing is that like a lot of things he says about he's like well w- men will le- men are gonna go first or like women should be homemakers or whatever it's it's like played for laughs but it's I'm like that's actually what these guys think and that's kind of weird some of the other stuff is like kind of funny when they're talking about me too and like a big uh issue in the show is that you know there's a really great scene where titus is telling kimmy that she has uh white privilege and kimmy's like um i lived in a bunker for 15 years like i don't have like my life is like has been bad and he was like yeah but people don't know that and they're in a store and he's like watch this and he puts on her like a fur coat on her and this like this white male sales guy comes over and he's like, you should just borrow that. You should just like walk out like, you know, with this on and just come back and return it whenever you feel like. And then and Titus is like, all right, I'm going to think about this coat now. And then the guy turns around and looks at Titus and says, we do not have any public bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's good. So there are still some really good, like very Tina Fey-esque jokes. And like the thing is, it's nice because like that's, it's finally them talking about race in a way that's not Jane Krakowski pretending to be a Native American. Oh God, is there any of that in this season? She alludes to it once, which like was like, you know, she's talking about, she's like, I think in the context of white privilege, she's like, that's why I've pretended to be white. But, um, but that's kind of it, which is like, they've like mostly gotten the message that no one has the, like... Like, no, we were sick of that. It was stupid. Yeah, and it was always offensive. And Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean, so that's, that's cool. I mean, but you, but you don't think that it's as good as... I don't, I don't remember laughing as hard. I don't know, maybe because it was so short. I I mean, I also don't, you know, I, I don't really 
And, you know, I don't remember at the end of any of the other seasons kind of being like, I can't wait <laughs> for more Kimmy Schmidt. I mean, I kind of think that, you know, when you're not, I don't know what what kind of decision making goes into, um, you know, a dis- like a, a, a renewal for for Netflix or like what we just don't have any like idea of how many people watch any of this stuff. So it's like weird to not understand what the metrics are and there's no advertising. So, I mean, I don't people are just paying for it regardless or of, you know, whether or not they're watching any specific show. So I don't know if there is as much incentive to cancel a show especially one that that's pretty high profile and gets them a lot of newsprint like Arrested Development or Kimmy Schmidt Kimmy Schmidt to I think a much lesser extent but still the pedigree of Kimmy Schmidt is really um you know is really notable with the Tina Fey and and there's a huge problem when there are just so many different things to watch that it's hard to get there's so many new things coming out constantly that even if there's a show you really like that comes back for another season you might be like overwhelmed with like there's other stuff you want to watch that's new and seems exciting you know um and i think shows like there's a lot of people that like would have said that arrested development was you know their favorite show you know when they're in college or whatever and now and they won't watch season five which is just kind of crazy to think about yeah i mean that's like me i mean i'm like i loved arrested development but it it existed and it had its time and I don't know that I've ever really understood the prospect of bringing it back, much like the X-Files. Said the woman who uh, eagerly awaited the Roseanne. <laughs> I uh, did. That's true. I mean, again, but like I wouldn't have asked for a Roseanne true. revival. I wouldn't have asked for a Twin Peaks revival either, although at true. least Twin Peaks only had two seasons and like ended on a totally ambiguous you know, cliffhanger. But I mean, I guess Arrested Development only had three. But um you know, I, I mean, I, that's what I feel about, like, you know, we're talking about, like, oh, maybe I should go back and watch the other ones. I'm like, I just, like, there's too much on that I do want to watch. Right. That, you know, for me to be like, yes, I will sit here and figure out what the fuck, you know, all of these arrest development plot lines are, are trying to, you know, explain to me through the Zodiac or whatever. Um, <laughs> I just, like, it's so, I just can't follow. <laughs> it's funny that I, I find this to be, like, the most complicated show that I, I like, we just we just watched, you know, the entirety of uh, <laughs> of Babylon Berlin. And I'm like, <laughs> Arrested Development is confusing. <laughs> uh, my little, my little female brain. Right, can't handle it. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know what to make of that exactly. The show about, like, German politics in the 1920s. I was like, yes, love it you know but um, also subtitles and subtitles and like but I was like yeah who cares I didn't mind the parts that I couldn't understand but it still caught my attention whereas like I just zone out during rest development I don't know but there are I did watch so I did watch like the first three or four and like there are funny jokes my favorite is um well so did you get to the part where one of the Dermer McDermers comes no okay so one of I think it's Dermer I think it's Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. But, but one of the Dermot McDermers is in it, and he plays this guy that just collects rocks on the beach outside of the family's beach house, and so he can throw it at people like that don't belong on his beach. He just collects rocks, and he's been doing this for decades. And Lucille sort of falls in love with him, and one day she sees him in the morning and like calls out to him, and it's really funny. I'll put a clip here.
but I like I just Lucy is such a great beach, character. She is. It's almost worth it to oh, see. Care to Jessica join me Walter for glass of breakfast wine? Yeah, exactly. I would imagine. Um, you know, I can kind of like live without all the rest of them, except again for maybe Alia Shawkat. But um, you know, you just like ugh, I'm ready to cancel Jason Bateman. Like, just get out of my face. I know. I know. It's so disappointing. So. Um, so this week, until we meet again, um, what are we watching? I'm gonna watch The Suitcase. Okay, Um, yeah, and I'm gonna finish that as well. Um, because I want to have hard opinions about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, two shows that I need to catch up on. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale, the exact same thing happened to me last year where I was like riveted by the first half of the season and then like abruptly stopped caring um, and didn't watch the last three episodes or something until right before the season aired. And the exact same thing is happening. I was like riveted by the first several episodes and then um, just kind of fell off of it. But I do want to know what happens. Um, well, it won't be good. Yeah, and then the new season of Queer Eye. Oh, right. I can't believe there's already a new one. I mean, I guess it's probably really easy for them to make, and it was super popular. It was. I mean, it was crazy popular, and I think they filmed a bunch at once, and then were like, we'll kind of release these over you yeah. know, a couple yeah. of... But I I mean, I'm very much looking forward to that because it's just such, a, such like a pick-me-up and just is like pure feel-good TV. Yeah. Um, I love it. I don't know if I'll, yeah, I'm going to Florida this week to visit family, so I I don't know how much TV I'll get to watch, because honestly, I'll probably just be watching Columbo a lot. So I couldn't report back on the episodes of Columbo we as a family watch, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, What are you not watching? Maybe some of the Columbo episodes will end differently this time. Who knows? Oh yeah, he won't figure it out. Fuck off, Sarah. That's not going to happen. Figures out every murder. How dare you? What a hunk. Um, <laughs> I wasn't saying that. So I don't know really very much um, about this project, but I will say that um, something that I will not be watching, even though I like don't really understand when it's airing or um, I just saw like several advertisements for some reason Oh, it premiered on Memorial Day. Okay, so it just aired. But anyway, John McCain, for whom the bell tolls, was just I'm sorry, advertised to me. I'm like, oh, one thing I 100% do oh, not Oh, is it that documentary? Watch. Yes, is HBO uh, on John McCain. No, Good thank Lord. you. Okay, it already aired on Memorial Day. But I just, I'm sorry. It was just like, for some reason, I got like five advertisements for it. over They the know lot. you're like, a McCain stan. I know. I'm like, why is this happening? I need to be looking up a bunch of military stuff for work for a thing I'm working on and like I'm wondering if like now my cookies are you'll love John McCain for whom the bell tolls um yeah I don't know that I'm not sure anything else that I'm actively not watching there's this new show with Albert Finney where he plays like a Rupert Murdoch figure and then his um kids are all vying for control of his media company it's on like Hulu or something and it's it's not Billions and it's not the Getty show it's not the Getty Show. Yeah. What, what is it? You 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 had to have seen commercials for it. Um, it's on uh, FX. Uh, n- no, it's on a sh- a station. It's on um, a station, a regular station. One of our. 
hold on. I'm looking it up because I gotta tell you that I'm not gonna watch it. I do like um, Albert Finney though. Uh, maybe it's not. <laughs> okay, well, there's a show I'm not gonna watch, <laughs> <laughs> and it might not actually be Albert Finney that's in it. Um, this is weird. He's it's not on IMDb. Is he? He's still alive. Okay, I got really worried that he was dead. No, he's um, not. But I always just think of him as the dude from Aaron Brockovich. That's like the only thing. Oh, wait, no. He's, I always get Albert Finney confused with this other guy named Brian. Brian's, oh, Brian Cox. Brian, yeah, okay. That's- this is the show. Yeah, they, oh, they look exactly the same. Succession. It's called Succession. Okay. Um, anyway, well, the point is I'm not going to watch it. So after <laughs> all that, um, it's HBO. Oh, yeah. No, that does not sound for me either. Wow, it's, a lot of rich not people. watching on HBO this stop week. Stop making shows about rich people except for Suits. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, we didn't get a Suits update, but... Oh, I'm now doing... I have two other projects that I'm working on besides collecting all the times they mention balls. Um, yeah. I'm also doing one where they talk... There's a, there's a common thing that they do in the show where someone is, like, explaining something to the other person and then to show that the other person understands they fill in and do the exposition for the other person. So they'll be like, I was, I just, I wanted to like check in and see how you were. And then the other person says like, because you felt bad about what you did. And they're like, yeah, I did. Because I basically just like someone inside the other person's head. Explain the feeling that they're feeling. Yeah, exactly. Like just like explaining the other person. Um, Because we wouldn't be able to pick up that. Yeah. Well, no, I can't remember the other one. Anyway, there's another Suits project I have. It's a very important show. So. I'm excited um, both to see the outcomes of these suits projects, and I'm very excited for your supercuts to go oh, I viral. I remember what it was, Sarah. It was so they they do like a lot of like really uh, basic exposition of legal matters. So one of the things that they do every episode is like when the rival attorney comes to them with like a proposal for like a settlement or something. The, the, the lawyer will be like, no way, we're not, we're going to stay, we're not taking your offer. And then the other lawyer will say, but you're legally obligated to present my offer to your client. And that is said all the time as if these lawyers don't fucking know that. And it right, they're explaining legal procedure to each other. Yeah, they're like, they're just like, it, that's for the audience. But anyway, it's great. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love that kind of stuff, which I, which, you know, I always generally admired about you know, not to bring ER back into the fold too prominently. But oh, I'm just saying, they didn't do a lot of exposition on ER. It wasn't like constantly explaining what a head CT is or anything. So I I just always kind of admired that. But um, cool, I worked ER into this. Yeah, pour, pour one out for ER. Yeah, so I'm very proud of myself. All right. Um, all right, well, we will meet again Um don't know how, don't know when, but it'll probably be next week. Probably be next week. We're kind of yeah. like, you know, doing these as we're busy women, all right? I'm very busy. Summer's hard. Um, okay. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Good night.